Welcome to the Coach's Edge podcast dedicated to teaching, sharing, and learning the game. I'm your host, Steve Kramer of Kramer Basketball and the Coach's Edge, and I am fired up for our episode today with Coach Larry DeSempler. He was on a previous podcast talking about some of his many, many coaching experiences. He's been an associate head coach at Cleveland State. He was an assistant coach at Rutgers, Kent State, and Eastern Michigan. And so we brought him back to speak with some of our Coach's Edge members. We had a chance to do a Q&A and he spoke with some of our members for over an hour. And what I wanted to share with you on this Two Tip Tuesday were two very insightful things that he had to say. One regarding transactional versus transformational coaching and the other about building a high school basketball program, some of the people that you need to really have on your team and how you can go about building a positive culture so that you can succeed in the long run, not simply looking for that instant team success. Huge thank you uh, to Coach DeSempler for being on the Coach's Edge podcast. I promise after you listen to this short episode, you'll be a better coach. Every time, I've listened to this probably three or four times already and I get something out of it every single time. Thanks again to Coach D. Thank you for listening to the Coach's Edge podcast. Let's get to it. I'm going to record the audio on this so some of our coaches later can um, listen to it. I'll probably take, you know, maybe 20 minutes of some of the things Coach D has to say and turn it into, you know, maybe a podcast and send the link out to some of our coaches, things, things like that. Because he just pushed them so relentlessly. But it was that balance of, of making sure that those kids knew. And he put a ton of extra time into them. Now, Gary was a big man of faith. Um, and he wanted to impact the kids with faith. So we did a lot of faith stuff. Um, and Gary was never afraid to share the word. Um, we prayed before and after every uh, game, uh, before and after every practice. And we did a lot of things in a state-run school. But he, he just felt compelled to do that. And that's really where it came back down to, Jeff, is that you're, you have the kid who's going to analyze it. And I think it's more today, right? So, so if we went back 15 years ago um, and you told the kid to run sprints, he probably would just jump in and run. <laughs> um, today, that kid really might go, why? Right? And, and we as coaches, we might not like that, but we probably have to be prepared for it. And so as long as we have the reason, that's one thing about the generation, this, um, this, this, we're way past uh, the millennial generation, right? We're, we're into Gen Z, I think now. And, um, but, but you have to have a, a grasp of where they are. If, if anybody has, has ever read the book, um, The IY Generation by Tim Elmore, I think. It's a little bit past the generation, but I tell you guys, if you're going to be involved with kids, it's a, it's a, like almost a must read. And he updates it all the time. His stats go back to like 2002, maybe. Uh, I think the first rendition of this came out in 07. He's updated again in 12 and in 17. Like it's really, there's really good information to help us understand the kid. Cause that's really, I think Jeff, and again, I'm getting a long way around it, but I think that's what you're asking is right. How do you impact a kid who just, he's he's questioning he's questioning stuff he's got his own questions he's got questions about you he's got questions about maybe himself or herself i wanted to add the one thing about transactional coaching that that versus transformational coaching transactional coaching is easier it's less invested it just doesn't it just it's cut dried it's it's like a business agreement right you do what i need you to do and you're going to get what you want i'm going to get what you what i want and we move on from it. But um, 
transactional or transformational takes time. Like it just takes time. And, and when you're a coach and you've got um, your own 15 kids and, and you've got um, a family at home and your own children and a job, a real job to do, right? A teaching position maybe for many of us or another job outside of it. It's hard to, to create and have the time needed to do that. So it's easier to fall back into that old transactional because also those of us that are, are of our age or older, right? We were probably coached that way. And, and so I, I think, I think Steve would have played, Steve, you played for Ganey. Yeah. So, so I, I played for Ganey when he was a, when he was the JV coach, uh, but John Manning, you know, my, my coach, um, you know, was very much, he, he was very much um, involved in us in, in every other capacity too. not just if we had a baseball game, we're playing baseball, he'd show up out there. You know, we'd go to his house, we'd go swim, and we, he took us to those camps. He, he just did way more than just have us coach. And that just takes time. It takes a toll on your family. It's hard. I'm just curious a little bit of how you might go about your preparation in season when, you know, maybe you got a Tuesday game and then a Thursday game. And you know, maybe as coach, you say, okay, guys, we're not, you know, we're not practicing on Saturday and Sunday. Um, so you really have some of this these tight timeframes within uh, as far as preparing for a game, keeping your team, you know, up and ready to, to do what they do. Um, do you think this varies from team to team? You know, is it team specific or is it more coaching philosophy based as far as how you would balance being in the middle of the season, January, February, and your preparation for the upcoming games, as well as sticking to, hey, here, this is what we do. This is how we do it. And we're hammering those things home, you know, throughout the course of the season. Well, you know, I, I think this is an ever evolving aspect of um, all team sports. I think our, our youth are different, um, and, and I'm I'm not sure, right? So, so the majority of my experience is in the uh, college game. In fact, almost all of my experience in basketball is in the college game. So. Those practices were not, they, they were highly um, calculated, they were highly organized, and there was very little downtime. And the intensity is what he was trying to build. So go back to John Thompson, okay? Um, and and this, this, I think, folds into your, into your question here. John Thompson used to say this um, all the time, that at Georgetown, we are creating the myth right? We, we're going to create the myth. One of Gary's favorite jokes that he would tell when he'd come to speak at camp and say, yeah, they told me they want me to come and talk about my press defense, right? We were known for being a team that would full court press you on a make or a miss, right? Lots of pressure. And Gary would go, I never press. I never press, but I pressure. I pressure everything, right? He would, he loved to talk about his pressure and that it was pressure the ball, pressure the pass, pressure the shot. Right. He would always talk about, but essentially what you're doing from the beginning of the end. And we hear this statement, right? Begin with the end in mind. That's really hard for us coaches because we want to win every single game. And that means on the first game, we want to win that as bad as we want to win the last game. So the question is, do you shortchange the end for the short for the moment? Do you shortchange? where you could potentially get to because you want to win the game in the moment. Now, lots of that come from being culture driven stuff. We give up culture 
for winning. But if you get, establish your culture, what you do on a short turnaround um, is probably not nearly as important as what you're getting them to believe in, right? So no matter what you did, if you, if you said, man, we're gonna run stairs today, if they believe that you thought that stairs was gonna help them win the game, they'd probably willingly do it. Now, again, I'm talking very much, um, right? When, you, when you're a college guy, you get to recruit your kids, you, you get to kind of handpick who you want. That's a little bit of an unfair advantage because in high school, um, we have to deal with who we have, you know, that comes out for practice, this is who, who we're going to keep on the team. And the short term of that is when you, when you shortchange maybe the culture for the, for the talent, um, that's a very slippery slope. And then what that does is in turn, that turns you more into a transactional coach than it does a transformational coach. Because you, you just, we just think, well, I got to have the talent to win. Let's not, nobody's going to say that, that talent isn't important, <laughs> right? We're not, nobody's kidding ourselves in, in any of that. But if, if, I was a, if I was starting out as a high school coach today, I think I'd walk in and I think I would say, okay, great. You think I'm a college guy and I got this experience or whatever. And I've got, I got a lot of um, crap running around in my head and a lot of experience from people, but I would say to my athletic, I would want the Holy Trinity to be involved. My Holy Trinity in high school sports is your athletic director, your building principal, and your superintendent. Those three people have to be all in on what you want to build on your culture to start with. If you don't have that Holy Trinity to start with, man, your job as a coach is going to be incredibly hard, especially if you're interested in trying to build culture. And then I would probably say to them, I would go, hey, listen, you can judge me in about four or five years. I, I, I'm, I don't know if I'm going to be able to impact the seniors and the juniors. I don't know. I'm going to do my best. I just don't know. But I'm going to be able to shape the seventh and eighth graders. I'm going to be able to shape the ninth and 10th graders because I, there will be what we would call non-negotiables. You have to be able to be the guy or the gal that's in charge that pays attention to all of those culture things. And if you don't pay attention to those culture things, then you're just going to say, well, then I just want it to be about winning. Now we can talk, we could get into other stuff about system and, and how you want to play. Cause that's where, that's where some things can really overcome you. Your, your things that are going to, I, I would, any young coach, I would say, listen, um, tell me what's important to you, right? Tell me what are the things that you value? And every coach is probably going to say, well, I value defense, right? And then the next thing I'm going to say is, well, then show me your practice plan. And I'll tell you whether or not you value defense, right? And people who say, well, I value defense is that I spend 50% of my time on defense. And I go, well, then you don't really value defense. Right. You, you only value what you put your most amount of time into and what your attention goes into. And so as we as we think about how we try to sculpt our entire program and try to figure out what the what the day to day working is going to be, let's go back to the very foundation of um, am I going to play harder than my opponent? So so many people think that they'll play harder in a game. Um, because it's a game, right? There, there's a myth that the game, well, we're going to play harder. There's a myth that, uh, well, we got to go easier today because we want to be fresh tomorrow. <laughs> you know, we want to go lighter on Monday because we have a game on Tuesday. 
And, and I'm not a firm believer of that because again, I think what kids are a little bit like water, they're going to always choose um, the path of least resistance. Maybe we all would, to be honest, but that's our job as the leaders is to, is to force them to another level, help them get to another level. And how do you get to another level? And I'm not talking about another level of playing. I'm talking about another level of effort. When you're tired, can you still perform when you're tired? And, and how do you teach kids to get to that point? Well, then we also have to be able to be able to explain to them why that is. How do you, you know, if you, if you stand at the free throw line and shoot free throw after free throw, right? You think, well, I'm going to get better as a free throw shooter. Well, yeah, because it's the repetition of doing that same motion. Well, how would you ever know if you're going to be better when you're tired unless you try to compete when you're tired? And then going circling it all the way back to John Thompson is that creating the myth. You're selling to your players. You're selling to your team that we are going to outcompete everybody. But if you don't do that every day in practice, if you're not willing to, to pay attention to this, if you're looking for the easy way out or you have the best player who's just not really interested in doing that stuff, that's when you start running into that slippery slope of that. That is no longer a non-negotiable. It becomes transactual. You're going to let Johnny, Johnny Joe, who can get you 15 or 18, do what he wants to do. And then it's going to sip and seed away at your program. And you're going to wonder at the end, why did we underachieve? And I think that foundation aspect. And the reason why I brought up the Holy Trinity, guys, is because there's going to be really tough conversations. Like they're going to be really, really tough conversations, especially if somebody's friends with the AD or the superintendent, right? If it's a superintendent's kid, if it's, I just think, I don't know how real that is um, in every place, but I've, I've witnessed it firsthand in just friends that I, I I'm, I'm really good friends with the Heights, with the Avon uh, Ohio uh, athletic director. And I see what he has dealt with and he's got a great AD, but he also had an AD who had a daughter who was playing. It was tough. So you have to have those people, I think, on 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 your side. So, Steve, you you asked me a question. This, isn't this about the way every one of our conversations is? You ask me one question, and I and I go um, in six different directions. So I apologize, but uh, um, I just really think those aspects of being a, a high school coach are vital. I just think they're vital. I think you really have to lay out what things are really important to you. And then, and then make sure that gets articulated to the people that you work for, and then be able to spend every single day building to that end, right? And, and, and pushing that in. That, that doesn't mean it's gonna be easy. It's hard, man. I, 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 I commend everyone for the, the journey that, that we're on to do this with these young people, because I think today it's way tougher than it was 20 years ago. That doesn't mean it's impossible by any means, but, um, communication is is probably the uh, number one thing and there's lots of lots of um, topics and lots of ways we can talk about communication we just know that when you don't communicate the only thing that fills the void that john gordon tells us all the time right is negativity thank you for taking the time to listen to the coach's edge podcast it's a busy month of june basketball for many of our coaches we wish you the very best as you try to finish this month of June on a strong note. You continue to strengthen your program from the youth level all the way on up. If there's anything that I can do for you, please reach out, contact at KremerBasketball.com, 
at Coaches Edge One on Twitter. If you're curious about how we serve coaches around the country through coachesedge.coach, please let us know. Have a great day and get after it.